welcome to the Enneagram 2.0 podcast. I'm Beatrice Chestnut. And I'm Uranio Paez. And today we are talking to a type one friend of ours who is someone who's going to help us understand all about the growth path of type one as part of our series on understanding the, the paths of development of all nine types. And this is the last one, actually. Yeah. So this is Priscila Carvalhinha from Brazil. And right now we are in Brazil. Yes. We are in the middle of uh, an advanced retreat for very advanced students. Yes. And Priscilla is one of them. Yes. Right? And I know, Priscilla, that you did a very deep piece of work today. And uh, so I think it's an ideal day for, <laughs> for us to interview you. And I just want to say, B, that uh, we've been recording this uh, speci special series on the growth journeys for all nine types mm -hmm. for quite a while. Yes. And it's not one after the other, like right. next episodes. It's just it's spread like, around in our episodes. Exactly. One every month or a couple of months. We started with me interviewing you, then interviewed me, and then yes. we had friends coming up. And we always uh, chose people um, who are truly on a path, right? who have uh, changed quite a bit. Yeah, who are sincerely doing the inner work. Yes, exactly. And uh, we definitely know that uh, this is your case, Priscilla. And uh, thank you. Thank you also for doing this in English. <laughs> and uh, it feels good to be in Brazil. Yes, it's right. always wonderful. Is to it be in just Brazil. for me? Oh, no, it's for me too. I know. And not just because of the food. Yes. <laughs> and not just because of the music. Uh, or the or the people. Yes. Or, <laughs> Maybe all of it together. Or because of me. Yes, yeah, of course, because okay. of you. Yes. Not, not only that. Yes. Yeah, we have great, great students here yeah. that have been doing work for quite a while. Yeah. So, and, and, and as you say, you get to be you. Yes. <laughs> I don't need to hold myself back. You get to be a little crazy. To uh, culture <laughs> or, yeah, it's exactly. not that easy. You get to speak your own language. Yeah. You get to be at home in your, uh, in your home culture. Yeah, I love going to different uh, places and I don't live in Brazil anymore, but especially after traveling to many different places and having to adapt a little bit with my style, mm -hmm. it's very good to be in Brazil yes. and just be able to be myself. And Priscilla, you're a type one, but you're Brazilian. And you're double Brazilian because you're Carioca. Carioca <laughs> means being from Rio de Janeiro, which is the archetypal <laughs> seven city, the sevenish uh, country that Brazil is, right? Yes, right. So, and you're a self-preservation one, yeah. right? So self-preservation one living in a seven environment, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> double seven environment. I don't know. It's, it's easier. <laughs> or they difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, both maybe. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Yes. So, how? What would you like to start asking Priscilla? I think it would be great if Priscilla, you could tell us a little bit about you, just so people can get to know you a little bit, um, and maybe start with how you came to the Enneagram and how you discovered that you were a Type One. Okay. Um, thirty-six years old. Uh, I am mom. Um, Mom, I have a daughter, uh, and I started on Enneagram in 2017 mm. yeah. on a workshop, especially because I was in a difficult moment of my life. I used to work on an engineering oil and gas company, and this was what I would expect for, for some time. Like you had planned to stay there yeah. forever? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> Good self-press plans. Yeah. yeah. In fact, there is something before this right. that happened because when I choose my engineering uh, university, in fact, I choose to do the most difficult mm -hmm. university in, in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> As a great one, <laughs> I choose the best school and the difficult one. Yes. <laughs> And here in Brazil, we have what we call vestibular. It's a test, an exam that we need to do. And to be I, admitted to, be to admitted university. To the university, yes. And I, ex I need to study a lot, a lot. Uh, I use it to, to wake up uh, five in the morning, 
and stay studying until seven wow. at night. And I somehow, I really don't remember how I found yoga mm. because I was freaking out to be just in my mind. Mm. And I just have this click that I need to do something with my body. Mm-hmm. And I start the yoga classes. So I woke, I, I used to wake up five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I studied a little bit, <laughs> pause for the yoga class uh-huh. and come back to study. And then after the class, I I went to yoga class also. So I uh-huh. did yoga classes twice a day. Wow. And I just fall in love with that. Mm-hmm. How did that help you? Uh, at that time, I, I have too much facility to, to, to feel and to, to go to my, my arrow four. Mm-hmm. So I use it to cry a lot and think that I, I wouldn't be able to, to get into the university. Ah. And when I was doing the yoga classes, I was pretty much present. So right. it, it, it was easier. To, to be calm and mm-hmm. focus and mm. and keep on keep going keep on going and maybe as a body type it helped you get more grounded in your body like you said not be so much in your head yes. because you were studying yes. so many hours a day and working so hard and of course self-preservation ones I think are one of the types that can study and work the hardest mm. um, sometimes out of a sense of anxiety of not being good enough. Um, and it sounds like that, you know, especially if you're under pressure trying to get into university and you're scared that you won't make sense that mm-hmm. you were both working really hard and really needed something like yoga and that that was really something that helped you. Yes. And the, at that time, that was my pleasure to go to the yoga classes and I just fall in love and I first, a tiny moment I thought, Okay, I have. I want this for my life. I want to live for yoga and give yoga classes. And I start to do some workshops mm-hmm. to understand better. And but at some point, I I came back and said, okay, my plan is to go to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I always like engineering and mm-hmm. physics and the mathematics. So. It it would it's it it was a path that anyhow anyhow I I used to like mm-hmm. but I was a little bit divided at time, uh, which which might speak to an inner division of being very disciplined a little bit like exact and uh, you know logical but also you know wanting to relax and to go deep down on your body. So I think uh, probably that boosted your inner work because if I remember correctly, you came to the Enneagram sort of because of yoga. Is that right? Mm. Yes. Uh, in fact, what happens is that when uh, we to talk about anxiety and at my last year on university, mm-hmm. I just broke. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack and almost panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I need to go to the psychiatrist to treat my anxiety for two years. And I think at that moment, all the things that I didn't work because I just say, okay, I need to to go to this way. Somehow it, I couldn't hold it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, that was a turning point for me, mm-hmm. and I started to look and understand what's happening to me, not mm-hmm. only psychologically, but, mm-hmm. but always trying to find what else was missing, because mm-hmm. I was missing something that I didn't know about. Do you think that avalanche of things that you, you didn't explore before, Uh, had to do with dissatisfaction in your life. Like finally you were not just happy with being dutiful and doing what's right, but there was a 
an inner calling to just uh, relax more and not and take it a little easier with you? At that point, I was not thinking okay. like that. Yeah. Uh, I had especially an occasion in my family that was a little bit harder because my mom was dismissed of her job uh -huh. and I was on the last year of the, the university so I think it was uh, the opposite. Was uh, so self-preservation pressure. Yes, yes. And I just couldn't okay. get it anymore. Okay, yeah. And somehow But I treated it and I... I finished the university and went to the oil and gas company and worked for seven years when I started to feel something different and I wasn't that happier. And that, that was the other turning point when I started to look and say, okay, I'm not happy anymore. What's happening with me? I remember that. <laughs> and then, but uh, did you keep doing yoga? Yes. All the time? And when did your um, when did the anagram come to your life? So in 2016, at the end of the year, I was talking to a friend of mine in the company, mm -hmm. and she told me that that probably I would like an anagram, and it would happen a workshop in Rio, mm -hmm. and that was like this. Okay. So. Body types. <laughs> they have this gut feeling and they just go this for, went it. for it. Like yoga. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I went to the workshop and when they presented type one, I didn't have any doubt that I'm, they were just explaining myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that the first exercise was when I left the workshop was to pass on a on any shop on my way back home and I need to go in and take some some something on the the market and put on another place. Yeah, like another shelf. Another shelf, yeah. yes. Actually I invented that exercise. Yes. I was gonna sound like that sounds like something you invented. <laughs> and, and what happened? It's very hard. Very yeah. hard putting something from one shelf in another part of the, like yes. the shampoo with the dog food. Yes. And then I used to say, and then you leave the store very slowly without yes. buying anything else. Yes. Ah. <laughs> and it was the worst exercise I did. I was very embarrassed to do that. And that at that place, at that moment, I understand a little bit more about myself. But it was the first permission to go beyond it. Ah, really? So you sort of liked it, or yes? Oh, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> surprise! Surprise! Okay. Look, Priscilla, I know you. We've been seeing you not only this week, but in several deep workshops, and I know that you are totally deconstructed right now as a self-pressed one. And we'll get there in a minute. Maybe you need to say what that means for people who may not understand what you what mean by that mean deconstructed. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. <laughs> well, I mean, really out of personality and heading towards essence because of deep and very good inner work. So personality is rigid by nature. All personality is not only one personality. And by deconstructing personality, I mean shaking its foundation in a way that something new arises. Challenging its hold on you yeah. and starting to act in different ways that right. aren't maybe typical of type one. Yeah, but before we get there, I think we are hearing from you a few characteristics you had back then that were very typical of ones and self-pressed ones. But would you mind adding a few, like what was like, what were a few other key traits as a one in personality back then? That you recognized from learning that you were a one through the Enneagram? Our must list. Uh, <laughs> must do list. A must, must do list. I like It's not that. a to do list. Yeah, it's a must, must do. do. <laughs> yes. And I am married and what I, the first uh, help that I had was from my husband 
because when I I understand how I I am working, and he used to talk to me like that. But you don't need to do that. Why you are doing that? And I didn't hear him saying that. Wow. So when I found out in Instagram and used to to listen to him, I paused and say, okay, where I'm going and doing uh, my must-do list. Right, <laughs> like you were doing more than you needed to. Needed you were working to. harder yeah. than you needed to. You were maybe more responsible than you needed to be. Yes. Um, and he would point that out. And before you learned the Enneagram, you didn't really know what he meant yes. or you couldn't really hear it. Yes. Uh, but after the Enneagram, you understood what that meant through the lens of type one. Yes. And we, we heard Priscilla talk about anxiety, which is a chief feature for self-grasped ones. Right. But what about per, uh, perfectionism? Mm. How was that for you before? I think the perfectionism is more about myself and to be to be too much uh, observing myself all the time. It's like I had a voice that talks to me all the time saying that I should do that um, or that was not good. So more than an inner observer, it's an inner critic. critic. Kind of monitoring yes. yourself yes. all the time with the inner critic commenting on what you were doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all key traits that we sometimes describe for one. And the self-preservation one is the most, not only the most perfectionistic, but also the most self-critical. And it sounds like you were pretty self-critical. Yes. And I and did you have humor? No. <laughs> <laughs> She's clear about that. No humor. <laughs> uh, and what about anger? Because another thing about ones generally is that they their their passion is anger, but they tend to hold it in. It tends to be anger held back or anger under control sometimes repressed, which is the unconscious avoidance or, uh, you know, pushing anger out of your experience unconsciously. Suppression is doing it consciously. Um, How are you with anger? Because self-preservation ones also repress anger the most. And so they tend to be warm and friendly and and good, um, but not very angry. Um, Did you have any sense of anger that you felt how what how was what was your relationship like with anger when you first learned the enneagram before enneagram to be honest i don't remember to clearly understand my anger mm-hmm. then i start to observe that that was what you're saying to become calm and my voice is becoming i become politer uh-huh. <laughs> more polite through reaction formation reaction, is the yes, defense right. mechanism where you go to the opposite you disown the anger and become more polite sometimes people mistake it uh, for the person being calm but it's quite yeah, the opposite it's, it's right. like yeah. more yes. self-control than rigid right right and and so much self so much self-control that you're actually expressing the opposite of what you're feeling because it's not only sort of holding back the feeling or pushing the feeling out of consciousness, it's going to the other end of the spectrum as a way of really making sure that feeling is not expressed or brought into consciousness. Yes, especially because I didn't feel feel safe. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Does, what do you mean it, you didn't feel safe to, to be angry? To be angry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And what about somaticizing? Which means um, instead of like feeling emotions, they kind of come out through the body or get acted out through physical symptoms. The, I think the most characteristic one for me was my stomach. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And my back, mm-hmm. my shoulders especially. Right. I was all the time rigid. Mm-hmm. So you care. So that might have been one manifestation of the anger that you weren't feeling, was kind of holding it as tension in your body, especially yes. in your back, and and anger often creates stomach problems when we mm-hmm. don't feel, allow ourselves yeah. to feel it. So th- those sound like really important and typical yes. symptoms of not allowing yourself. And this yourself. was very near my anxiety, mm. and I lost too much weight because I couldn't eat. Uh, 
So I had a lot of physical problems mm -hmm. and that's why that moment was really a turning point for me mm -hmm. and I said okay I need to look to myself and understand mm -hmm. what's happening and the first path I took to was go to psychologist and start my therapy and great excellent now can you tell us a little bit when all that started changing and I know that for you it changed quite suddenly with some Enneagram work you did and what happened? What helped you change and who did you become? Um, I think the first movement that I did was allow myself to pause mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. give me some pleasure moments. Mm -hmm. And this was very hard. Mm -hmm. Very hard to yeah. stop mm -hmm. and say that I inside and say to myself that uh, I deserve it. So there was some some things that I did together. So this to stop and say, okay, I can I can have pleasure, I can relax in my work to say, okay, I can I, if if they if I expect to to make this, I can put my expectation divided by two and a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> and at the first, it was terrifying, terrifying. Because again, I didn't feel safe. Mm. Wow. I didn't feel safe. I, I f have this fear all the time that something would go wrong. Mm -hmm. And for the first time when I did this, and I allowed myself to do this, and Everyone say, wow, what a great job. And I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I really understood that my expectations was really hard. Then you kept going. Yes. So I, I, I could relax on this, okay, it's safe. Uh -huh. it's safe because you were getting positive feedback about how good it was that you were pausing, have, giving yourself moments of pleasure. Yes. I think it's important to kind of give people an idea of how hard that might have been. I think largely because of not only being a one, but being a self-preservation one, the anxiety. And um, the self-preservation one is the most anxious one. And probably right after six, type six, it's the type with the most anxiety. And it's a kind of survival fear. It's like, as a one, if you don't do everything right, if you don't get every detail perfect, something bad is going to happen. Um, and so it makes sense. And not only that, and then I will prove that I'm bad, right? If something bad happens. Like, people will notice that I'm bad as, as I feel I am. That, does this speak to you or not? Yes. Well, I think it's also a re responsibility beyond yourself, though. Yes. Because yeah. self-preservation ones sometimes carry a sense that they have to create stability, not only for themselves, but for the people around them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's extra pressure mm -hmm. of needing to be good for others as well, or needing to get it right for your family or you know, people that depend on you. And so I think that anxiety piece is really important because in some ways, self-preservation ones have a double whammy. It's like, you're not allowed to feel anger and it's pushed out of awareness and then you have to be more correct or more polite or better. But then you also have a fearfulness that's really big. It's like, I've got to control every little thing. And if I don't, it's, it's, it's really scary. Like you're saying, you didn't feel safe to do things differently. Yeah. Um, what you said, it's like this, it's this pressure to take care of everything and this sense of failure. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I couldn't hold everything. Yeah. So that was the feeling of failure. Right. Yeah, like the, the inner critic that's yes. monitoring you is telling you you're doing it wrong. Yes. And self-preservation ones tend to see themselves as very imperfect and need of perfecting. And of course, you never get there because there's so much that you have to do. And the, like you said, the standards, the expectations you have for yourself are so high. It's a yeah. lot of pressure. But, but I'm very curious, you kept going. 
and lowering the bar as ones need to do. Right? I also see that you're having an emotion come up. And I think one of the things that's a mark of your growth <laughs> is that you're in touch with a lot of emotions. Ones tend to repress a lot of emotions. And I know that you're more in touch with your emotions probably than especially a one who's at the beginning of their path. Can you say what feeling comes up when we talk about this, how much pressure you put on yourself? It's a feeling that I was hurting myself. Yeah. And nowadays, I have been a child. It's, it makes me more sens sensitive to this. Mm -hmm. So what I understood is that I, I love her so much that I, I understood that I can give this love to myself. Oh. And what I say is that I was so hard with me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to describe this. Wow, well, it shows. And it makes sense that having an experience of loving your child so deeply, it was like you, you noticed more clearly how you weren't loving yourself. On the contrary, you were being harsh on yourself as part of that drive to get things right and do everything well and avoid the anxiety through trying harder. And one thing that I keep on going inside myself, saying to myself is that I, if I allow myself, I can allow her to be herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all that I want to do is that she can be able to be herself. Uh, no. But I can do this just talking. Mm -hmm. That's right. You have to do it in yeah. action. Yes. Get through what how you how you are with yourself. So I always uh, look to her and bring it back to me. Mm -hmm. This is fantastic because many uh, type one mothers either become rigid with the kid and with how they raise the kids, or if not, they blame themselves. Um, and you didn't do any of those. And uh, it seems that you took the opportunity to, of raising your daughter to take even better care of yourself and be gentle with yourself. Yes. I think this was a another turning point in my life mm -hmm. and a huge opportunity to go beyond. Right. It was really challenge because I think it was the the period of my life that I had most contact with my anger. Mm -hmm. uh, during the pregnancy during the birth, in all of my postpartum. Mm -hmm. And with some limits, and especially because people around me use it to talk then say that anger is not good, you mm -hmm. cannot feel anger, especially mm -hmm. if you are pregnant, especially if you is a, a baby. Blah, blah, blah. And I was... Uh, everyone I just want to feel angry mm. and I understood that this, that was important for mm -hmm. me what was it that you that got you more in touch with anger when you were pregnant and that gave you the will or the strength to say I'm gonna be angry even if people are telling me not to I think it was especially on my work because when I get pregnant, I, inside myself, I wanted to enjoy that, mm -hmm. to make this a pleasure moment. Yeah. And every, everything was in a hush. Yeah. And at that time, I was starting to, to 
express my anger and the feedbacks was not that good. <laughs> <laughs> so you were take you were expressing it at work. Yes. Was it for the first time? Yes. And then they say, Oh, but you are really reactive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> With actually it was the opposite. Your previous reactivity was not getting it. It was controlling yourself <laughs> yeah. too much. And at some point of my pregnancy, I just became very angry with all that stuff and people saying things and make me going in this rush all the time that I went to my doctor and say, okay, I just want to leave. I really need to leave. So I talked to him and he he just put me out of the work. Great. And I could enjoy the, the last weeks of my pregnancy at home, doing the stuff that I want, uh, going out and just feeling this special moment for me in my life because it was planned. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that you had a great experience at birth. And also, would you mind telling our listeners what you do now in your life? like? even professionally. Uh, okay. Yes. Um, I was planning to do this, to, to getting out of the oil and gas company for three years before I get pregnant. And when I had her, I came home. Not when I had her, when I put my stuff on a box at the company. I lived there just what was from, from the company and I took my personal stuff to home because I look at there and say, I don't know if I came back. Mm-hmm. And when I come home, came home with her and my arms, I look around and say, okay, things were never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. So I think at that moment, thinking and that that's interesting because sometimes I see my my personality because I thought okay I want to be a good mom I want to be more present and on that hush I will not have quality to her so at that moment I need to choose will I go and stay where I was or I would choose a new path. Mm-hmm. And although it was to be a better mom, mm-hmm. it was really difficult to say, okay, I'm going to yeah. leave. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it was a, you, like a healthy thing that you did is sort of listening to yourself at a deep level, almost getting in touch with your gut sense of what was right for you and what you really wanted for your life. Um, so even though it might sound like a sort of typical one thing of wanting to be the best mother you could be, the way you say it and the way you talk about the experience of having your daughter and how that changed you, it really gives me the sense that this was a growth moment. This was you, you know, a lot of people might have stayed with the corporate job, you know, um, that's probably sort of stay safe or for self-preservation dominant or something stable and was going to bring in money for the family. And so it seems to me like that was you listening to your deeper inner rhythm, uh, the, the sense of who you really are and what you really wanted uh, to make that shift. Yeah. And the question, what is it that I want is a blind spot for once. Yes. Big time. Yes. But, but not for Instead you. Instead of what should I do? What do I want to do? What do I feel moved to do? Yes. Um, I had planned it. I had talked to my husband and everything was perfect to do this movement. Mm-hmm. But until that moment, I wasn't feeling prepared. Mm-hmm. So inside myself, when at that moment, I look and say, okay, that's the moment I have no doubt at all. Right. And the mo- that moment was when you had your daughter? Yes. Okay. Yes. When she was actually born? Yes. And then 
what did you start doing and what do you do today? Today I I work with another other women that are pregnant. I am a doula. Ah, yeah. you're a doula, that's great. Yes. And I give yoga classes <laughs> <laughs> to pregnant women. Uh -huh. oh, Fantastic. Beautiful. Now tell us, can I ask you, can I share something like specific? Mm -hmm. I remember in your first deep retreat with us that you had that experience of time and time stopping for you and just being in touch with bliss and you know the the deep um the the deep experience of existence itself and being the most relaxed person in the room and smiling like a buddha <laughs> and then you know giving yourself all the pleasure possible in the world and i know that that changed your life quite a bit. It didn't take long for me to listen from Priscilla. Look, now I arrive at home after I do something and I'm lazy. Ah, <laughs> which is a big change for a self-preservation <laughs> one. That's it. Tell us a little bit about those moments. I allowed myself to rest to give moments with myself in touch with myself without anyone else. And that was interesting because again, I had my husband's help. And I think he, he I, I, I used to, to talk to him when I am a little bit confused inside myself. So I, I say, okay, I really want to do this. What do you think about it? And he looked at me like, why do you ask? Are you asking me this? Mm. <laughs> so I allowed myself to give more pleasure moments and fi find pleasure activities uh, and especially really, really, really find pleasure as pleasure in my body. Mm. Yeah. So this was a huge and important movement that I did for myself. That is to get in touch because I am sexually repressed. So get in touch with my sexual energy <laughs> and understand how it could help me to feel mm. even more happier. Uh -huh. Yeah, and alive and, and so alive. forth. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, which is really hard for most self-preservation ones because there's such, there's so much self-control And that can be so hard to let that go. And so this, I just want to highlight how significant yes. this is that you developed in this way where you were able to focus on your own pleasure. It sounds like in life generally, but also physically, like you said, yes. in your body as a body type. Yes. And understand my pleasure and understand how to access this, what I like. Mm, yeah. It's difficult to understand what I like. So get in touch with that. And the first movement was understand what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And the second movement was, okay, I like this. I don't, I don't like this. So mm. <laughs> please let, let's, let's put mm -hmm. some, some pictures and, and talk about it. And that was the next, also another uh, mm -hmm. movement that was difficult, but mm -hmm. important. And what started happening with your anxiety pattern? When I give me this relaxing moments, it just go away. Mm -hmm. So nowadays when I start to feel this, I need to stop, look around and say, okay, where I'm going to my must-do list and I am not going to my my pleasure moments. Your want-to list. Yes, my mm -hmm. want-to list. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are wanting to hear a little bit more about how you achieved this shift of like what, what allowed you to really slow down and 
get more into your body, prioritize pleasure? Like what kinds of things did you do or prioritize? I keep practicing yoga. Mm -hmm. But I think the most important one was meditation. Mm. So you added meditation at some point? Yes. During my pregnancy, I started to put it at at my daily basis routine. Mm -hmm. And that was really important for me. Beautiful. Because at first I would my head would okay, I need to do this and that and that and I create some strategies to say, okay, I wake up, go pee, come back <laughs> and meditate. <laughs> and anything else is important, just this. Now the important thing is this. And, and I like Discipline. and I like that the self preservation one <laughs> told pee. told us that she goes pee yeah. and then she meditates. Yes. Yes. Okay. that was included in yeah. the description. Well, I'm, yes. I'm self repressed, but I would do the same. Uh, <laughs> I don't hear you talking about you pee on the podcast very much. <laughs> I think she's breaking new ground, so don't sorry. try to claim it for yourself. Don't be sorry. sorry. No, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. No, we're we're thanking you, welcoming this expression. And by the way, that's getting in touch with the body. Yeah, and being human. And being human and being relaxed and saying what's true without worrying about anything like saying, talking about, you know, bodily functions in the podcast. It's normal. Ones can be tense even to pee. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think it's also good that maybe a good side of one that you were able to create a routine of meditating right because i think some people when they try to meditate myself included it can be hard to really establish a regular routine with something like meditation that's very important it's almost like using personality to get out of personality yes being disciplined but in service yes. of something higher. Yeah, like if you're forcing yourself to work at a certain time every day, that's one thing. But if you're having a routine where you meditate and allow yourself to build that muscle of creating space for relaxation and concentration and slowing down, and that's a different story. I just want to, to make two points here. One is that I believe you became way more humorous and uh, fun and that helped a lot that I want to hear from you but the second point is I think we heard the very important um, influence from your husband as someone who was accepting and supportive of that and I see that sometimes ones cannot do that shift Mm. because they blame themselves too much if they get blamed by Yes, as a one, we can hear it in the way you're describing it, like you're thinking, oh, I want to do this shift, but then there's a little bit of a need for validation, or does this, does my husband accept this? What does he think about it? So that does sound like a really important thing. And that you took that in, you know, that, that he would say, well, of course you should do what you want to do. And that helped you then do it. Um, You needed that little extra, maybe sense of acceptance or encouragement yes um nowadays he jokes with me and say okay just go to a retreat because when you are okay everyone is okay don't be happy (laughs) (laughs) and then come back home better (laughs) yes yes. wise husband but but then is it true that you got you know increasingly more humorous yes yes because i am more relaxed I am not judging myself to say what I am thinking. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And do you see how much that helps you as a one? Like you relax even more in a virtuous circle? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's the, I think the lucky thing about ones on a growth path is that growing means getting happier, having more (laughs) pleasure having more humor like those are all the key signs that you're that things are getting better whereas like sevens maybe need to get a little more serious a little more sober 
and not necessarily be having fun and being happy all the time. <laughs> and we many times say that the other eight types need to improve somehow while ones need to get worse. Yes, because they're, they, you know, there's a big trap for ones, which you could have fallen into, and it sounds like you didn't, of when you get on a growth path through learning the Enneagram, then you want to improve more. You know, you want to do everything better. But really, it's exactly like you're saying. It's more about slowing down, getting in touch with what you really want, um, allowing yourself to create more space for getting, you know, having pleasure and happiness and fun and not getting better in a conventional sense necessarily, but being looser, lighter. Yeah, and it did become more flexible in many ways, didn't you? Yes. And about this, uh, I am remembering about the, the meditation. And I did this as a routine, but sometimes at the morning I wake up and say, okay, today I'm a little bit I'm going to sleep for a little oh, bit more. Oh, and you broke the rules <laughs> some broke of the time. <laughs> That's also important. Yeah, Good. maybe that helps you even more than the meditation. Yes, yes, because then I think it's like anything that's good taken too far can become bad. So if you were too much on a routine in a one-ish way, where like, I can't ever not meditate if I'm too tired, that's not good either. But how do you do not to, to be self-critical in the, those those moments, many ones, uh, listeners, point, must when you be want to sleep in a little bit, asking themselves this. This is a difficult question. I think I just allow myself to breathe mm. and say, okay. Does the inner critic come in? Do you have to sort of challenge the inner critic, or is it at is first it dropped I need away? to challenge it? Mm -hmm. And and I need to be more strong to, to challenge it and mm -hmm. say, okay, now I'm going to do this because I want. Right. Disciplining the inner critic. But now... I like challenging. Yeah, like, challenging yeah, is better, like, yeah. But nowadays, I feel this is more like just breath, breath and say, okay. You are more present. So you're in more like nurturing an inner state in which that reactivity doesn't happen as much, I think. At least in, you know, knowing you a bit. By the way, talking about this, can you teach us a little bit what in your experience is the virtue of serenity? Which is the opposite of the passion of anger. Yeah, it's the virtue of type ones, which has a lot to do with acceptance of what is. It's just quiet. describe. Mm, I think well, that's profound. <laughs> when the person is in touch with those things, virtues, holy ideas, the person lacks words. That's one of the, the ways we use to know that the person is knowing. I, what, I, what I can say is that for the first time when I feel it, felt it, was was a feeling that I was missing this a lot. Mm. Like longing for it. Yeah. Mm. Saudade, Saudade is a better word in yes. Portuguese. It's more than longing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And it was wow. Mm. <laughs> and everything becomes calm. And our body stops. Your head stops, yeah. and I just feel that I'm here. Mm. Mm -hmm. No judgment, nothing wrong, yes. nothing to correct, acceptance. Yes, and it's a feeling that I can relax. Mm -hmm. It's safe. Mm -hmm. Everything is okay. What do you think are some things that 
people may not know about ones or understand about your experience that you can share, whether it's just about being one or, or growing as a one. I think that maybe people don't understand how our criticism impacts ourselves. Mm. Okay. Sometimes people just look around and see us doing stuff and saying stuff and being rigid with the other ones. Mm -hmm. Inside ourselves is even harder. Mm. Interesting. I think it, it takes being closer to the one in life to see more easily how critical, inner critical they are. Yes. Very harsh of themselves. Right, because it's like you're saying, it's an inner dialogue that you may not let many other people understand, know about. Yes. And so I think it's, that's a really important point because I think if people have ones in their lives, it's very important to have a lot of understanding and compassion for ones about how self-critical they are because if you don't get that, you may not understand how much, you know, how life can be very difficult for ones at times. And if you're critical of them or you say something that maybe even you don't even mean as a criticism, but ends up making the one feel criticized, it can be really hard because they've already criticizing themselves so much. Yes. Yeah, and, and knowing perhaps that if they criticize, uh, you will probably have criticized yourself about the same thing a lot before. And it's not a good idea to share criticisms with ones, right? So this is why be saying really gentle, accepting, and so forth. Yes, and you feel guilty. Mm. Yeah. You feel guilty all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. So at some point I need to understand that that's okay, it's safe to people say that I <laughs> something that I don't like or and and just relax on that. It's okay. And talk with my judgment and and understand that maybe this person is saying something to me that's not about myself. Mm -hmm. It's about about them. them that's really mm -hmm. important yeah and i start to to understand better this separation what is mine what is the other one mm. so not taking in all the responsibility and judging yourself yes. mm. sounds wonderful and do you see a role in your growth of speaking out your truth like saying things out loud and you know even confronting a little bit more than before yes uh, with my husband <laughs> <laughs> good with my mom mm -hmm. at good. my job <laughs> ah, good. at my job but to, uh, especially <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, there was some important events on my job that i need to to allow myself to even speak louder mm -hmm. and shout, shout, because my voice was really hard. I he was a he was abusive, mm -hmm. to be honest, uh, in so many ways. Maybe because once do the job, mm. and at first when people don't do so, give her because she's going to to do a good job. Ah, uh, mm. yeah, just keep piling on the work. Yes. Yeah. Second one because I am a woman mm. <laughs> in in a place with a lot of men. Mm -hmm. mm. Things are starting to happen, and he wanted me to change to other places, and I didn't want that. So, 
at that place, at that moment, I need to, to shout and say, hey, I'm not going to do that. So if you want uh, to, for me to stay here, that's my condition. If no, you can just sign my, my condition and mm -hmm. say, okay, bye. And, and this relationship is over. And that was very hard, but I used my anger to, to put some limits. Beautiful. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like you learned to get more in touch with anger and channel it in a conscious way for a positive purpose and standing up yourself. for yourself and saying what wasn't okay. Right. Wonderful. And that's one very important thing for ones to do because the, the particular anger we talk about when we talk about ones is a retained anger, anger that doesn't go out as easily. And more than overcoming anger, there is a need to express it somehow, right. even if it's channel it yeah. another way. First, it, it needs to go out. For self-preservation ones, it's getting in touch with the anger and giving yourself permission to have it. Uh, most self-preservation ones I know have a deep belief that anger is bad. And uh, that just compounds the problem of making yourself bad for having your normal feeling. So it sounds like you were able to get in touch with the anger and then use it in, in a constructive way. Um, which yeah, and is allowing really it to important. go out. Right. Expressing it um, in a way that wasn't bad. You know, <laughs> it was actually good. Yes. Yeah. Good. And in yeah. service of you. Beautiful. Is there anything else that you would like to share about the type one growth journey that perhaps can inspire others? What I can say now is that with this, all these changes that I have one day at the week that is just for myself, ah. as I can choose my agenda. Nice. <laughs> and my daughter is at school. Mm. <laughs> I just allowed myself to do anything that I want to do. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes go to a park inspiring. and just look at the sky and stay there doing nothing. Wow. <laughs> so this is what I see is that this is a really important movement to me. And when I bypass this, I start to feel all again the anxiety and Ooh. my mind becomes... And it sounds like you're not even planned for that day. You just and you don't no. even plan. Yeah. No, no, I plan on my agenda this day, that's but not the activity. Yeah, but not, yeah, yeah. not that's the, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not what you're going to do during the day. Wow, such a good job. Really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so, Priscilla, thank you so much for taking the time because we had an extensive day here in our retreat. You worked particularly hard <laughs> and you're helping us and our listeners a lot with uh, sharing your experience here. Yes. Keep going. Keep. Maybe <laughs> next time we'll hear from you that we'll, you will have two free days for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much. <laughs> and this is the last of the nine types that we'll do in our series of talking about the growth paths of the types. However, I think what we're going to now do is start filling in all 27. So we'll do, we'll keep this going, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll do like a social one next time or uh, one of the subtypes that we haven't done yet. Um, because I think this is really important. And I really thank you a lot for helping us understand the experience of the one and, and really offering some very concrete suggestions for what ones can do um, to really work with their type and move out of some things that can be really hard as part of the one personality. So thank you. It's time for our top five. And what's our top five today be? Our top five today is the top five things we appreciate about ones who are growing. Yeah. 
as, it? as it usually is when we do one of these podcasts interviewing uh, one of our favorite people of a particular type. So what's your fifth? So my fifth is that ones on a growth path do a really good job of balancing making the world a better place, doing good things for others, and doing good things for themselves. I love it. I love it. What about you? My fifth is what Priscilla said. I loved it. The want to list. Oh, you know, it's yeah. inspiring. Yeah. You know, and other types don't do that either. Right, 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 right. What do I want to do, not just what, what must I do? Yeah. 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 Okay. Your four. My fourth is that ones that are on a growth path are people who do the right thing without being self-righteous or critical. It's like they give up on the criticism, like the, the enforcement, the judgment that's like enforces doing the right thing. And they do it with more joy and ease. And in some ways, I think, help model just doing the right thing for the right thing's sake, but not like having to do the right thing, like not doing it with a kind of harshness about it or any kind of criticism. It's more uh, something that's part of a flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. What about you? Well, my fourth is breaking rules. And I guess I need to explain this. Um, I think that for Brazilians like me, um, following rules only is very boring, (laughs) more than for other people from Mm -hmm. other cultures. Mm -hmm. And when finally ones allow themselves to break rules that, you know, won't hurt much anybody Mm -hmm. and don't make sense because Mm -hmm. all around we have rules that don't make sense Mm -hmm. everywhere. When they do that, there is a relief, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's my fourth. Mm-hmm. What is your third? My third is um, that ones on a growth path tend to be lighter and happier. Mm-hmm. They're like happy people who are also grounded. Right, yeah, yeah, lighter, happier, grounded. So for me, it's flexibility. Mm. which is yet another thing quite appreciated by Brazilians. Being in Brazil, you know, all the Brazilian in me comes back. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, being flexible, a little bit more like, you know, negotiating with rigidity and having different ways to do different things is quite welcome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And your second? My second is that for ones on a growth path, it's a lot about the fun. Mm. It's fun. When people first learn the Enneagram and they find out about the seven, they're like, I want to hang out with the sevens because they're the fun people. But I think ones on a growth path are really fun to be around. Yeah, humorous, as we heard Priscilla say. I agree with that, but I I said it a bit different. I think uh, to me, I see the depth in joy for uh, ones on the path. It's more like not only have having fun, but being really relaxed and allowing themselves and being, you know, delightful, joyful. And yeah, that's so inspiring to me. Yes. Well, you won't be surprised at what my number one is. Tell me. Sense of humor. Aha. Yeah, I know you love it. You know, I love funny people and I love humor generally. And um, I like to be, you know, I like to, to be around people who are having fun in the sense of quality humor. Um, and I think ones who are really growing are really funny and really um, can be humorous in such a special way. Um I remember early on in my Enneagram work, my Enneagram experience, uh, seeing a one panel. And there were three people on these one, this panel, and they were ones. And it was the funniest panel I've 
ever seen. It was so humorous that each, each person on this panel was sort of outdoing the other with the way they were expressing things and with such humor. Um, I almost think like humor is kind of the antidote for some of what yeah. ones get stuck in, in terms of needing to be too serious or too harsh on themselves, too critical. Humor is like the, the thing that undoes it all. And so, so I, I really appreciate ones for their humor. And, you know, I grew up with uh, my, my dad's funny when, when he's relaxed and my brother can be quite funny as well. I also love that. But my number one is acceptance. Mm. You're a little more serious than me. Okay. Yeah, I just feel, you know, the kind of acceptance mm. that I feel coming from ones who are really in touch with serenity mm. is something that is completely, completely transformative. Yeah. I have an experience that I, I never forget. Mm. Uh, Many, many years ago, perhaps almost 20 years ago, I was doing a meditation in a group. And then by the end, the meditation teacher had us turn to someone else and get together in pairs mm -hmm. and don't say anything and mm -hmm. just look to the other person. Mm -hmm. And my meditation had been great, but then it became outstanding because the person I turned to was a woman. And that woman looked at me with an acceptance that I think I, think I had never had from anyone else. Wow. It's like, uh, it's, it's the pure mm -hmm. acceptance that comes from, only from serenity. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's indescribable. And when I, whenever I see that in ones, it reminds me of that moment. But it also, I see it inspiring peace all around. And I think we need that a lot in our world today. Yes, that's a good one to end on. So we want to thank you for listening, watching our podcast. Join us again next time for our Enneagram 2.0 podcast, where we talk about all things Enneagram. 